See this? This is my boomstick! Wow. Welcome back to the Banter Booth, everybody. All right, we're continuing our coverage of the summer of Stiller. At least that's what we're calling it here, where we're bringing you every single week a special edition of the Banter Booth, where we're talking about Ben Stiller all summer, because for some reason, I am obsessed with that man right now, and I want to watch every single movie he's ever done, directed, wrote, produced. Let's just watch them all, see if they're good, see see how far his career has come. It's a nice little career retrospective then on the on Ben Stiller. And joining me, as always, every single week, is my buddy, my pal, Gecko Bryant Green. What's up, man? Oh, it's going great, man. Glad to be back after our little week break, I guess is the best way of saying it. Uh, well, it, it happens. We yeah, yeah. Our schedules well, we just break. didn't line up last week, yeah. and things just got a little busy. Oh, of course, and like I said, we all need that break once in a while, too. So, but yeah, doing very well. I'm excited to be back in this chair talking with you again. Yes, and uh, unlike last episode where we kind of started off on a different subject and we went to the Summer of Stiller afterwards because we hadn't really watched a lot. I think you had only watched Happy Gilmore and I had only watched Night at the Museum. So we were, well, uh, we, kind yeah. of, we kind of slacked off that week. But this week, trust yeah. me, everyone, I've seen, I've finished off two trilogies of Ben Stiller and I watched a movie he made back in 1996 that I have a lot of thoughts on. So there's going to be tons of Stiller right. talk this week. Sweet. Sounds exciting. I hope I can uh, meet, you know, meet, uh, meet your, uh, what do you want to call it? Just, uh, yeah, meet kind of where you're at your level, basically, you know, because I've watched quite a few recently now, too. So hopefully mm-hmm. we'll uh, get with that. Do it. I think this is, I think this is great. I can't think of anybody else I'd rather watch uh, a bunch of Ben Stiller movies with. So it's, it's kind of great that we can sit here and we can talk shit and we can just say whatever we want about these movies, but it's nice yes. that we're both, we both, we both have the same enthusiasm for it. I think is what I'm getting at. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So, I'm great. Happy for it. So let's, uh, I want, I want to start off with the movie that you watched actually, cause it's a movie that I hadn't watched in a while. So I mean, I haven't watched oh. it since it first came out. Well, that's the Merowitz stories, new and selected on Netflix. You saw, you checked that out, directed by Noah Baumbach. Yeah, I um, I wasn't sure what this movie was going to be about, honestly, because I didn't even read the description of the movie. I was just like, no, what? He's in it. I'm going to go for it. And I didn't even know, like, later, like the first few minutes of the movie that Adam Sandler was in it. And, of course, it's like he's the first that pops up in the movie because – in the story, there's about three siblings. You got two brothers and a sister. Mm-hmm. So Adam Sandler is the oldest brother. Ben Stiller is like the half brother to Adam Sandler and the sister. And I forget what who plays the sister. I forget her name. Kind of escapes my mind right now. Um, anyways, that doesn't matter right now. And it's really about just like this dysfunctional family that has a lot of um, problems with the father. Because the father used to be this great artist and his reputation's kind of slowly dying away over time. And um, he's a very, uh, he wasn't really the greatest father to the kids because he had failed marriages and stuff like that. So that really impacted the kids a lot over time. Mm-hmm. So, of course, now they're just kind of reconciling that and just kind of thinking about like, how life could be a little bit different if this happened or that happened. But really, like, it wasn't a bad movie. It was also kind of, it was a comedy as well. But yeah, Ben Stiller plays a lawyer. He, like you say, he's the half-brother. He's a very um, self-made character. Like, he's not very, like, nice to the siblings because he kind of really, kind of is a bit of a show-off about his success in a sense. But eventually he mm-hmm. kind of warms up with the family. And of course, he also... Uh, see a little bit of Ben Stiller humor here and there. And you can't go about a movie with Ben Stiller's humor in it. You can't. <laughs> you just, he can't help it, I guess. You know what? I totally get that. He does somehow, yeah. some way, somehow, he does, he has found a way to sort of incorporate a lot of himself in a lot of these roles, especially mm-hmm. basic Ben Stiller is what I call him. There's yeah. a basic Ben Stiller, which is where he plays the straight guy. Um, so the, the, the basically the audience surrogate. 
or he's crazy Ben Stiller and he's a fucking whack job. Like he's either Tony Perkis, Tony, Tony Perkis from heavyweights, white Goodman and dodgeball, or he's absolutely nuts. Tug Speedman's absolutely nuts. See that? Yeah. Yeah. He he made simple Jack. That man's retarded. (laughs) (laughs) He really is. Yeah. He plays very much the straight, easy kind of going in a sense. He's going, he's very, uh, like I said, kind of, um, selfish in a sense as a bit of a selfish character mm-hmm. in this movie but i actually liked him in the movie he was very good and even like same with adam sandler because he's in it like i said um again with adam sandler he brings his humor of course into this movie as well mm-hmm. you know how adam sandler is always like over the top yelling screening kind of like say what the fuck is it blah 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 kind of thing but i still liked his character a lot too He's it's very, amazing uh, though. Okay, but like, okay, I just want to know: Is Adam Sandler yelling a bad thing? Honestly, when he, when he seems like when he yells, that's a way better performance. Well, he does. Yeah, it's always funny to see that. And like you said, it's a better performance when he starts yelling because it kind of shows his emotions, his emotion range in a sense. I guess is the best way of saying it. I guess I go right back to Uncut Gems and that that freaking anxiety and stress <laughs> that movie gets out of you and that of course is really just shown perfectly through the performance of adam sandler as howard radner where he's just the whole fucking time on the edge i feel like that man was like pretty much on the edge of having a heart attack at any second could just collapse that's how how much stress he was doing and i I totally made sense why he was was like what that movie had the most swear words ever and adam sandler (laughs) what yelled almost all of his lines like i know so many people that talked about how they didn't like how often he was yelling or swearing and yet to me that kind of made the whole thing that's yeah that i feel like that's kind of like his whole character because he's always on the edge so you always Mm -hmm. he's always on the on the go always on the always like hyper like he's always fucking up so he's like fuck i gotta fix this and do this and that like said he's purposely causing the anxiety for a reason that's why he's yelling a lot it's funny Mm -hmm. you kind of say that because his character in the Meriwet story reminds me a lot of him in the Uncut Gems because he's always yelling and he's always on the edge causing you this anxiety moment. So I'm just like, God, he really makes me think of this character a lot, but it's funny. You know it's what? Still by, good, though. by our next episode for next Thursday, I'm going to make sure that I watch Meriwet stories by then because I, I think I need a refresher just hearing you talk about it. And I, I can't even remember a scene where Adam Sandler was yelling. So clearly it's been too long since I've watched it. Yeah, but um, it's funny because his character has a daughter and his daughter wants to get into the movie industry. Mm-hmm. But when she goes to school and makes her first movie, um, it's literally straight up porn. And his, right? So you literally see full-blown nudity in this movie. And then, of course, Adam Sadler's character is like, what the fuck am I watching, basically? <laughs> He's just like, yeah, this is not what I sent him to school for, basically. But okay, I'm just gonna let it slide. <laughs> How else would you respond? <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, like other than that, um, it, it's overall good. Man, I did like all the characters. I was never like disappointed with the story. I think it was just a really um, overall good story. I just was a little confused with the ending. Of the story which i won't spoil it for you because i know you've seen it for a long time i was just a little confused with the ending but other than that i you did can, enjoy you can, it you can describe the ending because when i rewatch it i mean we don't have to save the discussion until next week but yeah. we can have a i guess a better yeah. discussion when well, i've actually seen it the ending go- is that of course like i guess said the father who is a fail who is a who was a famous artist uh is like said kind of failing came kind of being forgotten over the time mm-hmm. and the daughter who's going to school went to this museum and the museum has like this like big wooden crate of his old work and she's like oh my god and that's how it ends oh. and it's just like it's weird it's a weird ending i didn't i didn't understand the point of it i guess so, we'll have to talk. i guess we will have to save this for next yeah. week because i, I want to see what your insight because it. i'll, have to, I'll yeah. have to actually watch it yeah, I want to see what your thoughts about the ending is because I was just confused as fuck. I was like, okay, weird, but... Yeah, okay. Well, this kind of sucks because I'd actually love to be able yeah. to have some insight and I think I yeah. need to see it to be able to properly understand what's going on. So yes. 
well, then, then, then I guess we will pick this. We'll pick up Mayorwood stories in the next episode. Um, yes. But a couple things here is I know that this is Ben Stiller and Noah Baumbach's, I want to say fourth collaboration together. Might be more than just four. But I know they worked on Greenberg back in the oh, early yeah. aughts. Then they worked on While We're Young with Adam Driver. Um, and I want to say yeah. Naomi Watts was in that as well. Was that Naomi Watts? I think so. And uh, then this movie. And then I want to say Madagascar 3. Because Noah Baumbach wrote Madagascar three. Oh, okay. So they've they've collaborated a couple. They've collaborated a couple times. Sorry about just okay. stumbling over my words there, my God. <laughs> uh, and so then good. also, this is the second time we've seen Dustin Hoffman play Ben Stiller's father. Fuck, that's the guy's name, Dustin Hoffman. I was trying to think that what his name was. All I could remember is being the father. But yes, Dustin Hoffman is the father. He's the feeling artist. Yes, and he and he was uh, he was Ben Stiller's father in Meet the Fockers and Little Fockers, which mm-hmm. is one of the trilogies that I closed out this past week. So I saw okay. Meet the Parents. My overall okay. feelings on Meet the Parents was it has some good lines. It's a classic story that I think a lot of people can relate to of meeting your significant other's parents. It's just that that movie, I, I know, understand for the time it was made in, really really overuses all those old stereotypes of straight guy, conservative guy, odd couple pairing of Robert De Niro and Ben Stiller. And like, I get it, but meet the Fockers was so much better because I felt like it took all the elements that really worked in the first movie. And at least at the beginning of the second movie, you see that there's more of a relationship between Robert De Niro and Ben Stiller's characters. Okay. Okay. So they really grew the story more. I'm assuming then. Yeah. 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 The, the, their relationships grew more after the first movie, right? Because they, they had to learn to trust one another. But that's the thing with this movie is they wouldn't have made three movies if it was that easy to trust one another. Because right. in the second movie, they go through the same. It's the same story. It's the same plot all over again. Robert De Niro doesn't trust them. But now they're meeting the other like Gaylord Fokker's parents. That's Ben Stiller's name in the movie. His name is Gay Fokker, which I think is amazing. <laughs> it's, a recur- it's a recurring joke. It's such low hanging, fr- low bearing fruit. And yet. I laugh oh, every single shit. fucking time they talk about him. Oh, that's funny. That's a good uh, playing, um, like playing joke. Honestly, that's genius. <laughs> they call him like his name, like he's supposed to change his name to Greg, but then everyone talks about his real name. Like that's the big thing with the first movie is they look him up. He well, Robert De Niro looks him up to try and get some criminal record check on him, and then you know finds this other guy named Greg Fokker finds doesn't find anything to do with Greg Fokker and figures that Ben Stiller's lying to everybody about what he's done with his life because everything that he's looking up about Greg Fokker, you know, is popping up as untrue. This person, like Greg never did this. Greg never did that. But that's because mm-hmm. everything is actually under his real name, Gay Fokker. So he didn't look up gay. <laughs> so he, he thought Ben was lying, but Ben was never lying throughout the movie. Well, I mean, he lies about other things, but I just oh, found that yeah. introducing Barbara Streisand and Dustin Hoffman into the mix in the sequel elevated it a lot more plus it gave a lot of the um female co-stars like a lot more to do as opposed to the first movie which was really really just about ben stiller and robert de niro okay okay uh, to, to be honest i haven't seen that trilogy i might have i seen like bits and pieces but i haven't saw it fully it is mm-hmm. actually something I, it is on my list of something i do actually r- really want to watch because i do hear it's actually a good good trilogy if you have Amazon Prime, you can check out Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers. Uh, okay. The only problem is, is if you want to see the last movie, you're going to have to rent it digitally wherever you rent or watch movies digitally. You'll have to find it somewhere else because I can't find it on any streaming site right now, at least not in Canada. Mm, not even on YouTube? Sometimes YouTube has those kind oh, of well, things. Oh, well, yeah, that's like Google Play, like YouTube. Oh, okay. Like if you want to rent it. But I guess YouTube sometimes will have like the entire movie for free depends on what the movie is usually it's okay. usually it has to be pretty old for them to uh, do okay. That. okay all right well i have to find i have to uh, go on amazon prime then and look that up i so, definitely want to watch it basically like i didn't really like meet the parents i really like meet the fockers and then little fockers kind of goes right in between the two so in my opinion like meet the parents is the weakest in the entire trilogy and then i feel like little fockers is just a little bit better than that because the only thing about little fockers is wow, this is like three movies and Robert De Niro still barely trusts Ben Stiller. Still barely trusts anybody. Been three movies and I think 15 years had passed in the world of those movies. And he still didn't trust the fucking guy? <laughs> that, was, that to me was, was kind of ridiculous. 
I get that he's now, not a trusting does, guy. He worked in the CIA, but I guess my suspension of disbelief only went so far. It's like watching three hangover films. You kind of go, okay, <laughs> wow. How many more times can you fuck up, right? No. <laughs> and I'm a fan of the hangover franchise. There's no diss there, yeah. but those no. characters really have uh, devolved in that franchise. Yeah. I was going to say, does, uh, what's, uh, does Ben still play as the uh, crazy guy in the Meet the uh, Walker's trilogy or uh sorry yeah me the Walker's trilogy i guess it's I mean, I guess he, he gets some good set pieces some good yeah. gags but he's not yeah. i wouldn't say he's not crazy he's not he's no white goodman or tony perkis or any of his outlandish yeah. like he's no Derek zoolander um <laughs> he's much more serious. in line with his other characters like do from duplex or the watch where he's kind of a family guy he works as, he's a nurse but then by the okay. third movie he's he owns his own health practice so okay but he's, All not, right. he's not a doctor and that's something they always kept making fun of him for because a male nurse oh you're weak you're dumb you're gay blah 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 because blah. you're a male nurse you're stupid all those classic Ooh. jokes just because he's a male nurse so it's that that gets oh, tired. that's not fair that's not fair to him is what it is i guess <laughs> it is so it those is. are my only thoughts on meet uh the meet the Fockers trilogy Okay. Cool. So with that, with that done, the only other the only other movies I watched this week, well, two and then another one is I finished off Night at the Museum. So I watched Battle of the Smithsonian yes. and then I watched Secrets of the Tomb or Secrets yes. of the Tomb. Which okay, you talked about how you at least know the Night of the Museum movies because it's I know we just talked about the Meet the Fockers trilogy and you hadn't seen those movies in a while. So there's you have a little less to go on, but with at least with Night at the Museum, we have so much more to go on. And at least here, Owen Wilson is in all six of these movies. <laughs> yes keeping the connection true. going between those two they are in so many movies together and here we're talking about six of them right here yeah literally he's all in all three night museum and he's all three in those movies the other movies you were talking about they must really have a good relationship between the two of them they have they to, must yeah. because like you said they're always work together and they always do great stuff together it's mm -hmm. amazing what they do Mm -hmm. I'm never disappointed to see the two of them, or even when um, Vince Vaughn, I think that's how you say his name. Yeah, well, they're all a part of the, the same, yeah. I think they called them the frat pack, right? They're all a part yeah. of that same group. Yeah, it's never uh, never disappointing to see them together, because it's always great what they put out. But yeah, in the Night Museum, I've seen all three, and there it's a, actually another solid trilogy that Ben Stira has done, in my opinion. Did you find that every single one of the movies in this trilogy, they're all they're all the same quality? Like I don't feel like any of them are that like none of them are that much worse than the other or that much better. They all are good and bad in their own ways, which makes them in my mind they're all the same grade. Like if you watch yeah. one of these movies, like they're all the same. They all have the same quality. They don't dip that much. Like none of them. Like even the third one, I wouldn't even say is that bad. It's a great conclusion to the entire trilogy. I did shed a couple of tears in the third one because I felt sad for some of the characters when he's saying good goodbye to. Mm -hmm. They gave up being sentient and they got to come back. And of course, Robin Williams' last movie, Night of the Museum, Secret of the sad. Tomb. Yep. Rest in peace with that guy. You get the, like, in loving memory right at the end, just to really uh, solidify the tears that are going to come streaming down your face. Sad, very sad. It made me sad when I saw that. I was like, God damn, that is his last movie. Bridge, mm -hmm. like, no, jerk my tears out of my eyes. <laughs> like, so in, in my mind, which do you have a favorite out of the three? I know I just kind of talked about how they were the same quality throw, but is there a personal favorite? I still enjoy the first one the most. It has that whimsy. I'm with you 100%. It's the first yeah. one over anything else. So the first one gets yeah. a bit more of an edge to me because it was that yeah. introduction. But it's yeah. not a diss towards the other ones. No, it's sure. definitely not. It's still because I still had enjoyment watching the sequels. It's just the first one has that strong spirit of what the movie is supposed to be, what this mm -hmm. trilogy is supposed to be. And I'm it's not saying so that it was lost over it. It's just like it was more stronger of the two. Yes. The casts, like, I keep saying this in my Letterboxd reviews. If you're following along uh, with me on Letterboxd, my username is ZC underscore movies. And I'm actually reviewing every single one of the Ben Stiller movies there. Uh, mm -hmm. You can follow along on, on my list on my account called the Ben Stiller Movie Marathon. Um, 
and I and I'm just noticing. I make a note of it on almost all the reviews, and that's just the cast that Ben Stiller surrounds himself with. Somehow, in all like every movie, he's able to find ways to incorporate these people that maybe weren't that big at the time, and then you know we're looking at it retrospectively in hindsight, and we're like, holy shit, Paul Rudd played the stepdad in the first Night at the Museum movie. Ed Helms played Larry Daly's assistant in the second Night at the Museum movie. So it's like yeah. you get these tiny roles for, I wouldn't even say Paul Rudd was big by the time he was doing the first night at the museum. I mean, he wasn't Ant-Man Marvel superhero big at that time, but he was still, he had a few movies under his belt. He had friends clueless under his belt by then. What had American summer? I even when uh, Jonah Hill had his little moment in the second one, he, I don't know if that he was big at the time. Or he's, not. he's coming off of super bad at that time, right? So he's yeah. just taking off super bad knocked up had just come out. So he had yeah. those two. Yeah. So like even like that, like with him, like you say, he does surround himself with good actors, even if they're just small or not that famous at the time. He just knows how to pick the right people for that mm-hmm. those roles. He yeah. knows. Somehow he ends up in these projects where he gets to work with all these different kinds of people, especially with the meet the Fockers. You can, you get to work with Dustin Hoffman and Robert De Niro. And then Harvey Keitel plays a role in the third movie. So he's able to get himself with these like legends of the silver screen. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Even like Dick Van Dyke, who has been a legend for years and to have him in there and uh, Mickey Rooney, who has also been a legend. I want to say the third guy was Bill Cobbs. Yes, Bill, Bill Cobbs. Correct. Not Bill yeah. Cosby. No, no. <laughs> not Cosby. Close, but not Close. that fucking. Not that fucking guy. Yeah, I was surprised actually. They brought the three of them back in the third one. It's the classic storytelling trope of of trilogies. Whenever you make a third movie, the 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 belief is that it has to connect to the first movie in some way. So yeah. Scream retcon like Scream three retcon Scream one by saying that the events that happened in the first movie were actually put in place years prior. And it was some sort of sick revenge plot from the brother, the long lost brother we never knew about who actually was the one that did everything. Spider-Man three, we find out that Flint Marco killed Sandman. So or Godfather part three, they're just, they always had to tie it back to a detail from the first movie hangover part three, when they bring Marshall into it, a throwaway line. A fucking throwaway line in the first movie. And they made an entire sequel and villain off of Marshall. So like that's a that's an even bigger example of how they just take one thing that was said in the first movie to bring who? it all back together in the third. Who sorry, getting a little off track. Who plays Marshall again? John Goodman. Yeah, that's way off. John track. Goodman, that's correct. <laughs> oh my shit, Marshall ain't going like this. <laughs> oh shit, Marshall gonna be pissed off at me on this one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They do the flashback moment, and Ed Helms that Stu is the only one that clues in. Oh shit, you're Marshall? Marshall from Vegas. And it's like no one else was thinking that, Ed. We needed the flashback. No one knew. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But yes, you're right, though. I just, like I said before, I was shocked that they brought them back, but it makes sense as to what you said that they had to find a way to connect. The first one, obviously. They like to, you know, it's, it's always got to start and end on the same note, almost in a way when it comes to movie trilogies that, you know, they want to have that element to it. And mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, you always do get some kind of a nice finale when you do that aspect and seeing those three guys, although you can really see the age in uh, Mickey oh. Rooney when he comes back in that movie. Oh, you can see it. Because in but, the first uh, Dick one, Van he... Dyke, he was moving well. Yeah, he was still moving well, but Mickey Rooney, he was just... He's just a bag of old leather, basically, in that wheelchair. A <laughs> hundred fucking percent. But shouldn't make that comment, but it's just, yeah, he you can tell that he his age, he's aged quite a mm-hmm. bit. And that, yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just like, wow. Yeah, you know it's what? He still, a, he still had a good scene. Ain't no disrespect yeah. there. He still, he, he still came back, did a great yeah. job. And uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mickey Rooney... Okay, he did pass away. He passed away that same year that the third movie came out. He passed away three months oh, after. Oh, I didn't know. 3rd, I was actually legit going to ask if he was still alive, but now no, we I was, know. I was looking it up, so that makes sense. He, he didn't look that great in that movie, too, and then he ended up dying three months later. So that's that's uh, extra sad. Rest in power, Mickey Rooney. You did a great yeah. job in those movies playing your security god. And, of course, 
security guard. This is a security god. Oh my god! Security god. You know what? Yeah, you're a you were a night security god, my man. Holy crap! I guess you would have to be a god in that scenario. You kind of were. You were in charge of these. Well, I, you weren't really in charge, but you were definitely leading this museum that came to life, and you got to imagine being in charge. Or at least try yeah. to keep all those people safe. Attila the Hun, Teddy Roosevelt, yeah. Sacagawea, Lewis and Clark. The list goes on. The Dexter. list goes on. Who would you say is, is your favorite character in the Night Museum franchise? You have a favorite? Do you still like do you like Ben Stiller's role? Like, do you think he's the best character in that movie? Or it's amazing because more? he's basically just playing Ben Stiller. There's nothing to yeah. me that. Like Larry Daly is just like a lot of different Ben Stiller characters. Oh, he lives in New York. He's a New York City guy. Uh, ben Stiller's a New York City guy. So it makes perfect sense. Um, oh, he's got some maybe wife problems or he's got dad problems. Whatever classic family problem there is, Ben Stiller's characters find a way to have that, either it being making kids or having he, kids or dealing with in-laws. Yeah. He's the family man in this movie. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think the I think the story a favorite do you ask what my favorite character was it's definitely yeah. not ben stiller uh i want to i mean you know, i want to go robin williams teddy roosevelt i do like his character and robin williams is always great i think he's sidelined too much in the second movie i thought he was sidelined too much in the third one he barely had anything what in the second movie he's he's there for five minutes in the third movie he's one of the main characters he has a huge yeah. sacrifice moment in the third movie shit Maybe I um maybe I made that mistake of saying that. <laughs> the second right. movie is though when they go to Washington, they go to the Smithsonian, right? And then Teddy has to stay behind at the other museum while Ben Stiller oh, goes. Right, right. Ben Stiller goes with a crate to the Smithsonian. Well, not with a crate. He goes to rescue a crate full of his friends because they stowed away with the tablet. And then mm. uh, C- Common Raw, the main villain Common. played by Hank Azaria, in the oh, second fuck, movie. Yeah. I found that the second movie was like it had a, it had the best plot out of all of them. Like it was tight. It was one night, so you know it was a, it was a beat the clock. You got a minute yeah. to win it. You've got to you know race to the finish line. There was always something happening to move the plot forward. But I find that a lot of the characters got sidelined for new characters, which is which is all right. I mean, you know the big statue of Lincoln's cool. Amelia Earhart's cool. Even if it feels like she gets super sidelined. Like she, there's no mention of her again. I mean, of course she's from the Smithsonian, but even the woman, man, Larry Daly can't hold any of the love interests he has down in any of these movies. Apparently not. Apparently not. Especially like you said they introduced her at the end of the second one mm-hmm. and you just don't hear anything about it again. Yep. There's no update, not even an update on the woman from the first movie played by um, Carla Oh God, I'm gonna mispronounce this, but Jugino, I'm definitely oh, yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. that up. But uh, even she doesn't no, come I- back for the sequels. Amy Adams doesn't come back, and then the third movie. I don't even. At least it doesn't waste too much time on any sort of love interest. What I don't like about the third one is how they replace the son with that stupid other kid. You don't like Skylar Gizondo? <laughs> Gizondo? No, I didn't like him. I love him in, in so many other things. And when he popped up in Night at the Museum 3, like I think I mentioned to you a few weeks back, I'd never seen the movie before. So yes. when I saw him play the son, I was like, what? They couldn't get the original guy back? We get this fucking guy who's in everything? He played Literally. the son in so many different comedy movies in the, the 2010s. Like he was in Vacation, played one of the sons there. He In the same year that Night at the Museum, no, maybe not the same year, but he played as Gwen Stacy's little brother in both Amy, Amazing Spider-Man movies. Yes, that's true. And then he plays the little kid in the Righteous Gemstones right now. Oh my god. He's what the fuck? It's kind of like the same character, but he's like in this movie he's a bit more normal. And I, okay. I don't I didn't mind the recast. I wonder why they didn't bring the other kid back. Maybe they didn't like how he looked older. Maybe he lost some of his skills. Maybe he had none. Because honestly, maybe. the kid wasn't that memorable to me in either of those first two movies. But yet maybe. I'm going to remember that Skylar played him in the third movie, so or maybe the he the kid got arrested because he committed a horrible crime and he couldn't come back. Maybe he's a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. Let's he's hope not. Uh, let's hope he's actually a good upstanding citizen. And I'm not gonna look up anything to do with him, but hopefully he hopefully he's not somebody who lost his way, because that'd be a shame. Yeah, that would be a shame. Be like that kid who played uh 
the original kid uh, as Anakin Skywalker. I knew you were going to go there, Jake Lloyd. Yeah, Jake Lloyd, who lost his way. Then you got to think of what about Edward Furlong from Terminator 2? He lost his fucking oh, way hard. Hard. He's he's gone. He's let himself go, dude. Yeah. Furlong's definitely gone. Oh, it's some what child stars it? that just don't make it. But it is what it is, I guess. It is what Sad. it is. Some- Sad. One time deal, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't didn't hear your answer for favorite character, man. My favorite, I like Owen Wilson's character. Honestly, I like the cowboy Jedediah. 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 You know what? His pairing with Octavius. I was glad that in the third movie they really. I was. You know what? In the third movie had such a great idea for those two characters that retrospectively I went, they should have done this for the entire trilogy. And I'm curious if the plan was this, but. They had like Octavius clearly liked liked Jedediah in the third movie, yeah. And then it made me think that their relationship the whole time that was such a great opportunity for some representation there for two gay characters, Octavius and Jedediah. So now looking back, they were great friends, but it seems like especially the third movie they could have been so much more. And they I'm glad the third been. movie did take more of a more of a creative license in exploring that relationship. Yeah, I really I really liked their. I guess in a sense, romance with each other. It's just, mm-hmm. it grows so much on me. I just love every moment they spend together on screen when they get a chance. I agree. It's crazy. It's and crazy. played by and two I, amazing I, actors. I mean, Owen yeah. Wilson and Steve Coogan. They're they're awesome, honestly. <laughs> they just work so well together in that, you, in that trilogy. You know which, okay, Steve Coogan, obviously amazing comedic actor. You get uh, Alan Partridge, uh, Damien Cockburn from Tropic Thunder, uh, Octavius from the Night of the Museum movies. But a personal favorite from me, from him, is Dana Marsh in Hamlet 2. Have you, you've seen Hamlet 2, right? No, I have not. I know you've told me about Fuck, it. Fuck, dude. I just bought the DVD for it for $3. I went to Sunrise Records last week because I had this, uh, went to go see Big Trouble in Little China for the first time on the big screen. Oh, Stopped really? by Sunrise, found, well, Nebel found Hamlet for $3 in the bin. So he pulls out and he's like, Hey Zach. I was like, okay, I got to buy that no matter what. Now that we're before we leave, I got to buy that. It's not on Blu-ray. It's like, I don't think there's any copies of that movie on Blu-ray. So it has to be through DVD, but Hamlet two is freaking awesome. And so I actually rewatched it last night. Um, It's a great movie about art, man. It's about art. It's about going a little crazy to make great fucking art it's about how much passion you have to make something and how crazy it's going to make you and then it's also about all the stupid shit in life that we, we should be able to laugh at it's yeah. not offensive we should be able to laugh at these things there's even a musical number in it called rock me rock me rock me sexy jesus <laughs> just a perfect perfect moment a perfect movie it's just whenever i whenever i see steve coogan i always think of hamlet too it's my favorite movie with him in it oh fuck well, if we ever had the chance, you should let me see that movie then. I'm curious about it now. <laughs> With Well, when I get that car and I'm able to drive it to you, man, I'll make sure. Well, hopefully we see each other before that, but <laughs> I'll make oh, sure yeah. the next time I do see you, I'll hand you that. And I'll, I'll probably got a few movies you need to watch. And I'll just hand you whatever. I'm like, dude, you got to check this out. You got to check this out. Okay. And then I got to give well, you back the movies you lent me fucking six months ago. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot about those. I've been hanging on to your alien movies for the, the quadrilogy of aliens and then your Godzilla movies for way too long, man. They're basically oh. mine now. Yeah, that's uh squatters rights, mine now. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we will we'll arrange that. Don't worry. We'll fix that up. Ugh. All right, so I, I just want to put a pin in Night the Museum, put a pin in the Fockers trilogy because this was the one movie that I really wanted to talk about this week. Okay. So I watched a Ben Stiller movie called Flirting with Disaster. Okay. It was, it was released in 1996. The cast list here is is absolutely fucking insane, but I, I really just wanted to stress how like what the movie's about. So it's a comedy. It's a comedy movie directed by David O. Russell, who you might know from Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle. Um, he did Three Kings or something. I think I'm forgetting some names, but he, he did a bunch of these movies. He's also a pile of shit, but that's neither here nor there. He directed this nah. movie. That's all that matters. So back in 1996, he made a comedy movie about sex, love, family, and other accidents just waiting to happen. And the film follows Ben Stiller's character, Mel, who 
is a, who was adopted as a child. And so he has these adoptive parents. He is now, but he now he has a wife and he just had his own, you know, a son of his own, a four month old of his own, but he doesn't want to name his son until he figures out who his biological parents are. So oh. he goes, finds the adoption agency, contacts them, and then works with another lady played by Tia Leone, who is from the adoption agency, who also wants to work on making a documentary about this case of him, Ben Stiller's character, Mel, reuniting with his birth parents. Of course, the film isn't that simple. And there's a few mistakes along the way. Like the first person they meet is not actually his, any related to them, any oh, relation. God. It was a mistake in the system. Uh, a technical glitch is how they explained it in the movie. And then the second person they meet um, doesn't know if they're actually his dad or, you know, doesn't know. Could be him or somebody else, but he points Ben Stiller's character in the right direction of finding the shitlings, the shit kings or the shitlings. It gets pronounced terribly throughout the entire movie. And that's a running joke. Everyone keeps calling them the shit kings. Um, so that's like the family he might be he might be related to and so that's the whole movie's about it's about him finding his real parents and of course gecko you might you might be able to guess this how do you think this movie ends he's trying to find his birth parents how do you think it ends i'm gonna guess he finds them but he he realizes yeah he realizes it's not who they like what he expects Mm-hmm. And he realizes that his adoptive parents and his wife and his son were the only people he needed in his life. A very cliche ending and one you could have seen coming a mile away. So that part of the movie yeah. I find was that part of the movie was just okay. Okay. The story, the the character arc they give Ben Stiller is okay. One thing I like here is Ben Stiller's playing basic Stiller, but added bonus, he's a fucking asshole. He's the main character and he's a fucking <laughs> asshole, dude. He's literally a pile of shit. He's a, he cheats on his wife. The whole movie is basically flirting with disaster. He wants to cheat on his wife, basically. He, he, wa- he doesn't want to be with his wife. He's unattracted to his wife now because she had a baby. And now he's unattracted to her. He doesn't have time for sex anymore with his wife. He'd rather fuck the adopt- adoption agency chick played by Tia Leone instead of his oh. wife played by Patricia Arquette, by the way. Okay. Oh, shit. So, like, the whole fucking movie, you could just sense the... You can sense the tension between him and Tia Leone, but on top of that, every chance the movie gets is he's always siding with Tia Leone. The camera always makes sure to have those two in a shot together and separate Ben Stiller and Patricia Arquette, you know, his wife. So it really creates a divide really early on between this couple. Like to me, all I could think of was, man, Patricia Arquette could do so much fucking better, man. Could do so much better. Like it didn't make any sense to me why she was bothering to put up with this guy. I kept just the whole fucking time. I really did not like Ben Stiller's character in this. And in the end of the movie, when she forgives him, she did some stuff too. What he did, I don't know, man. What he did was worse. I don't know if forgiving him should have been that easy. Well, what the heck did she do? What was her angle? Oh, we've got to we've got to get to that part because I gotta I gotta tell you about all the other people that are in the movie because I I don't want this to be too long of a spiel, but it's gonna be because I've I had never seen this movie before, but I had so many thoughts by the time it was over. The first <laughs> thirty minutes were this: it was a five out of ten, a two and a half out of at, at a five, or a two out of five, really, so more okay. like a four to ten. Okay, it was so it was okay. It was it wasn't great. In fact, me it felt a lot lacking. Um, the first 30 minutes, such a basic film. I didn't laugh once. Like it, to me, I kept thinking to myself, this is a comedy. This is a comedy. I was like, for me, if you're marketing yourself as a comedy, number one for, for the review is you got to make me laugh. Yeah. You got to be able to make me laugh. This movie was not doing it. First 30 minutes, it was a struggle. Damn. Not until two, two actors, my two favorite characters in the entire movie, show up. 30 minutes into the movie after Ben Stiller crashes a transport truck into a post office building. Oh God. Okay. So then the FBI gets called in to, you know, arrest some people and then also question Ben Stiller's character. Why was he doing that? And understanding that it was a felony, then ultimately letting him go. Those two actors were Richard Jenkins and Josh Brolin. What they, they entered the movie and the movie got better as soon as they entered it, but especially Richard Jenkins. He was the standout in this movie. This is just the best comedic performance I've ever seen from Richard Jenkins and one of the best comedic performances in a comedy of all time. In my opinion, Richard Jenkins knocks this out of the fucking park. Like there are so many. Like I thought, okay, he's playing an FBI agent. They're going to be there for this one scene and then leave. Yeah. 
And you can you get this sense watching Jenkins during this scene, the first scene he's in, that he's unhinged. That there's something about him that that's oh god, it's festering inside of him, and it's just <laughs> aching to get out. Yeah. And I was like, man, I I during that scene you were kind of waiting for him to blow up, and, and you kind of get glimpses of him. We find out that him and Josh Brolin are not only FBI partners, but they're gay lovers. Oh, <laughs> the, 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 you know it's it's hilarious so they add that aspect onto it josh brolin is an old high school friend of patricia arquette's character so then you get that added element of it oh, they God. end up telling so richard jenkins and josh brolin end up finding out that that couple ben stiller patricia arquette and tia leone are going to travel to new mexico so what do they do josh brolin convinces him to take time off of work and take a vacation to New Mexico. So then Ben Stiller and Fisher Arquette go to the airport, get ready to go on the plane, and then Richard Jenkins and Brolin pop up and are like, we're coming with you. Oh, as soon as my that God. happened to the movie, was, I was sold. I was fucking sold on the movie because I, I loved the fact that they found a way to keep these two characters involved for the rest of the movie. And they are, and they're prominent. They're like main characters. And I can't really stress this enough i can't underestimate it no not underestimate i don't even think i could overhype the fact that richard jenkins was that fucking good in this movie he has a scene where he gets drugged near the end of the movie someone gives him lsd and a ton of it and he ends up on it on the trip of his lifetime (laughs) okay (laughs) scene had me rolling throughout any scene that got him to ask the obvious questions or point out some of the absurdities that were going on or act absurd himself, he delivered it perfectly, knocked every scene out of the park. Every time he was on the screen, I was laughing. And I can't, I can't think of any other performance from Jenkins where I was like, he's had great serious performances like Shape of Water or Nightmare yeah. Alley, two Guillermo del Toro collaborations. And then he's had other comedies. Like I think one of his more prominent ones would be Step Brothers playing okay, the dad yeah yep. but in my in my mind he wasn't even one of the funny parts in that movie that movie belongs to will ferrell and john c Riley. he doesn't stand out this yeah. movie with the cast that it has richard jenkins stands out far and above anyone <laughs> else here the only person that comes close is josh brolin and i feel like the only reason why josh brolin i liked him as much was because he got to work with richard jenkins as his yeah. scene partner were they just there to harass them or they just wanted to come along? They were, dude, they were there because Josh Brolin, he's bisexual. So he kind of liked Patricia Arquette's character. So he wanted to come along to see if he could rekindle a romance and cheat on his husband. Oh my God. So the whole movie is really about cheating, flirting with disaster. The whole movie, there's all the couples are trying to cheat on each other. That's horrible. But yet so funny at the same time. It works really well. Like it, the, after the first 30 minutes, like, I mean, for anybody else, maybe you watch it and you'll really like it off the start. But for me, like I didn't enjoy it that much. And I thought this was going to be like the bottom of the pit when it came to Ben Stiller movies. Like I was like, Oh, there's so many dumb stereotypes. None of the characters work well. The story's dumb. And regardless of the story being dumb, as soon as those two actors make it into the movie, it didn't it even matter that the story yeah. was dumb. It didn't matter because they elevated it to make it great. Oh, there's a lot of movies that are like that. Though. There's sometimes you have to push through till you reach to the sweet gooeyness of the yeah. like the good part of the candy. I think it's and Tom then, Cruise. He said like one of his more famous sayings was like he doesn't search for great roles or great scripts. He just yeah. gets scripts and gets roles and then makes them great. That's what you should do. And no, honestly, for a lot of movies, for mm-hmm. people who should act like acting wise and stuff like that, you should just don't look off for the, that role that might get you on the Oscar of the lifetime. Just make your role great, right? Exactly. At, at All you got to do, that's, that's, it's as simple yeah. as that. And I think that's probably the best thing. I heard that phrase from Tom Cruise and that's just, that's stayed in my mind ever since I heard it. Mm-hmm. That's very true, honestly. It's just put your heart and soul and your talent into it. It doesn't have to be Oscar worthy, of course. It's just if you know you can, if you put your best foot forward with it, then you know you'll probably make something great out of it at the end, right? So mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I agree with that, Oz. I really agree with that idea. Mm. His idea, I should say. So in my mind, this is Richard Jenkins taking what could have been a pretty basic role, an FBI agent who ends up, you know, tripping on acid at one point during the movie, who, you know, he's a little uptight. He needs to loosen up a little bit. He needs yeah. to loosen up. And that's the whole movie. It's about him loosening up. It's about him. His character says it the best. It's, it, he says it at the end of the movie. He says, I didn't want to do this, but as soon as I stopped fighting it, I evolved. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, a, it's just, nobody Perfect. could have delivered that simple of a line and it still have been as funny, but it, it was Richard Jenkins. And he just knocks it out of the fucking park, man. That's perfect. That's a perfect line, I should say. Honestly, that's perfect. Perfect response. And I I assume, did you need an image reference to know who he is? You know who Richard Jenkins is, right? If you said he plays the dad, yeah, that's who in Slate Pocket Mind when you said the dad from... uh, Step Brothers, yeah. Step Brothers. I was like, now I know who you're talking about. and that I was scene, pulling like, up his IMDb, so I was just like, I had a photo, and I'm like, you know what? Better now that we can take a look at him. No. As soon as you said he was the dad, I was like, yeah, I know who he's talking about. Like, the fact that, you know what? That he got to work with Josh Brolin, that makes it even more better. <laughs> more of a better duo. Dude, Honestly. They're, that's one of, the, not one of my favorite duos now. The yeah. fact that they can come into a movie already one act in and knock... Uh, I just... I couldn't believe how much I liked this movie when it was over. Like as soon as it was over, those bad first 30 minutes, and it's only a 90 minute movie. So those first 30 oh. minutes, the next hour is carried by and saves the entire movie. So it starts off slow. And in my opinion, doesn't start off great. Take, it doesn't take a while for things to get moving though. The movie just starts and it goes like we're right. already, we know what the story is. We know what he's trying to do. Let's go and let's do it. And it just ball is moving. He meets the first parent, meets the next parent. And then, you know, makes it to New Mexico. And it's as soon as he does that tri- uh, trip to New Mexico and the post office crash. Yeah. Elevate, yeah. elevate, elevate. There's a great road trip moment too, where they, they all have to, they all have to drive two different cars and they're trying to debate which car Richard Jenkins is going to sit in. So he yeah. keeps getting put from one car to the other during the trip because not, nobody in either car can stand him. Oh fuck! And he's not even doing anything wrong. No, it's just that everybody is everybody is so terrible, and he's the only good person in the car. So when he says something, they're like offended by having him there because they're such terrible people, and he's such a good person. The only good guy in the whole situation. That's funny. Out of yeah, out of everybody in the whole movie, I'd say Richard Jenkins is the only one. He's pure of heart. He's not a bad person. He's just he's literally a good person. He's just trying to do what's right. Oh fuck. That's funny. That's absolutely funny. Poor guy. I ended up, <laughs> I ended up giving it a 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. And you can see my full review there at ZC underscore movies. Um, but I ended up placing it, I think, at... Um, so I, I'm doing the Ben Stiller movie marathon list. And I think I put it at number 7. So it's okay. in my top 10 for Ben Stiller movies so far. Okay. We'll, you know, we haven't watched them all yet. And there's like 40, Tons. 50, 60 movies. So I think we yeah, got like 20 Tons. down. I'm 20 down, so... Oof, I'm so need to catch up. <laughs> I'm behind. I need we'll any better. Uh... We'll see where we both end up by the end of the summer. I doubt very much it's going to take us like we're calling it the summer of Stiller, but bro, we're going to be into the fall of Stiller, I think. <laughs> the fall of Stiller sequel to the summer of Stiller. <laughs> we're just trying to catch up on all the other mini roles. Like we like there's this one movie from like 1989 called Hopper Suit. It's on my list, but I don't even know how big of a role he has in it. Oh, Hopper Suit. Yeah, I've heard that movie. Oh, is it? Where did I see Patrick Swayze's in that? Is that the Patrick? No, Patrick Patrick Swayze was next of kin, I think. Yeah. Was was that Hopper Suit or? I think it was. Maybe I'm wrong saying that. You know what? When we watch it, we'll know. There's no point. No point talking about it now. No. There is not. All right, man. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, Ben Stark can put out some good stuff, but I think his earlier work can be a little hard to watch that's what i say yes final thoughts for this week couldn't have been put better some of that earlier stuff a bit more it it misses some of it hasn't aged well there's a couple things in flirting with disaster that i think did not age well at all Mm -hmm. like there's some casual racism in there that i'm like oh this isn't i didn't know that this is yeah it's like 
So that's, definitely that's, jokes that's that aren't funny. Def, like they they did they fall pretty flat. Ugh. Well, probably why it's not such a well-known movie anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, you can't find it anywhere. I tried. I gotta oh, rent that. You gotta rent that digitally on Google Play, like or oh. find some place that's streaming it. I could not find. Like it's not on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney, not in any of the major ones. I couldn't find. It. I had oh. to I had to rent that thing. But luckily. Oh, okay. like, Four ninety nine okay. for an HD rental. It's not too bad. Okay. Well, I have to look into it then. I definitely should uh, watch it myself just to see what it's like. Not just not just curiosity. hear me talk about it for like the last twenty yeah. minutes. Of curiosity, I have to see now. I think you should experience it because because of two words: Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. One name. Those the only those. That's the only thing you need to know going into this movie. It's the only thing that's important going into this movie. It's just how good he fucking is. Well, the only movie I ever saw him in was Step Brothers, and I really liked him in that. Mm-hmm. He's my favorite part of that movie too. So you're gonna love him in this, because in my opinion, it's better than the role he had in Step Brothers. So you're gonna love him in this, and hopefully, we can we can find we can get you to see this. Hopefully you find time to, or you want to rent it on Google Play, hopefully. Oh, I probably will. I can't see why not. That's it. It was, we, we just filled up the entire third episode of the Summer of Stiller with nonstop Ben Stiller talk. It's been a pleasure, dude. Uh, as always, thank you, Brian. You're welcome. Always, always a pleasure. Always have fun. Listeners, you can follow Brian on Instagram at BrianGreen68. Uh, and as always, you can also follow the podcast on Instagram as well at the Banter Booth Podcast and me at Zach Crawford. You can also follow me on Twitter at Zach Crawford3. Thanks for checking us out this week. See you next week.